And we're back. As Mace once said, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. It is yours truly, Derek Buckley Jr., a.k.a. Buckley On Air, back with another episode. And I have my good friend, my brother, Alex. How are you doing today? It's another day in paradise, my friend, and not freezing. And I have electricity and water, which is can be said than, better than most Americans at this moment. That is very true. And Were you quoting Mace Windu? <laughs> no. You never heard the song Mace by Mace? Welcome back. Um, no, I have not. I'm, I'm very out of culture, I guess. It's okay. It's yeah. not, but it, it's okay for, for the time being. You can just, you, you, can, you can YouTube it after we're done. Um, I will. I'll let you know on the next podcast. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Super Bowl happened. Tell me what you thought. What happened was a team that was ready to play the game and then a team that was just hampered by injuries and just did not have their best game. And despite Mahomes doing everything humanly possible and then some, throwing baseball passes, you know, levitating off the ground and hitting his players in the face with the ball, they still couldn't catch it for him. It was, it was just not their day. Some can argue about the calls at the end of the first half that were definitely, you know, kept drives alive for them and threw, threw the momentum in their favor, but they deserved that Super Bowl win. It was a thorough beat down. And if I had known that was going to happen, I would not have called off work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I agree a good majority of what you said. I do not think that injuries mattered all that much. Maybe on the offensive line, I'm assuming is what you're referring to. Yes, that's what I was referring to. But – I thought that defensively it was going to be one of those types of games where the defense was going to dictate how the game went. And ultimately that is what happened. I figured that the Bucks would be able to get to Mahomes better than the Chiefs were able to get to Brady. Sadly, Mahomes did everything he could. He got the ball to his receivers and they just were dropping the ball. And I, some of those drops, I can't explain. Travis Kelsey and, had two of them that I can't explain. Tyreek had a drop that was unexplainable. They they kind of looked really out of sorts in this game. The Chiefs just did not look ready for that game. The moment, the moment, like it, like the two weeks between the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship went by too quickly for them or something. And then that was what kind of was scaring me. Maybe the extracurriculars with what was going on with Andy Reid's son. It may, it really got me that story. I mean, I'm not going to relitigate that story right now. I'm sure there's a lot going on with it, but you go in, you work with someone like that for a whole year. And then right before the biggest game of the season, that story comes out that, that looms over the things. I mean, you gotta put, you gotta do your best to shovel that down. That's no fault of the Buccaneers, Buccaneer. That's a call. But you can't put an asterisk next to the Buccaneers win for that. They can't control that. And you are absolutely, you were absolutely right. It was the defense that could define that game. And I thought it would be the off opposite. I thought it would be a barn burner and, you know, neither team being able to stop each other. And that's why I favored the chiefs going into that game. I, I didn't, I going into the game, I figured, like I said earlier, that it was going to be something to defense. I don't think that the the coach, um, Andy Reid's son situation, had too much to do it. I, I do believe what the linebacker 
um, white Devin White said about where he said uh, yes. that they went into the game with the same game plan that they had against him during the regular season and they thought it was going to work. I do believe that's what they did. And sadly, in the NFL, especially, you when you play a team more than once, you can't go into the same game plan. You got to disguise some things because they'll pick up on it. And the Bucks definitely got hot at the right time, which is something that you need to go to the Super Bowl and win it. And I think ultimately that's just kind of how that played out. Um, I do believe there were some very questionable calls. I do think that that one uh, pass interference that they called against the Chiefs. That, that, like on the on the pick? Yeah, that, that I, I think that would have ultimately shifted momentum. And I think the Chiefs would have felt more confident going. I don't, I'm not going to say they were going to score a touchdown because they were struggling to do that. But I do think that that was the turning point for them. I think they kind of lost a little bit of their juice and it didn't. I agree. I agree with you. I mean, you, cause they later scored point. I think they kicked the field goal on that drive, but that's three points that you could have back on the scoreboard. And then, uh, late and the next drive when they they stopped them for a field goal attempt and i don't i'm looking i looked at that thing a couple times i don't think that guy was lined off offside to an, enough to warrant that flag in that situation to keep a drive extended which later led to a touchdown so that's three points that would not have been on the board and then the following four points for a touchdown being added on top instead of a field goal that's a seven point swing going into halftime and but I will say the Chiefs screwed up trying to. They called the time. The Buccaneers were more than welcome to just run out the clock going into the half, and uh, but uh, but but the Chiefs called the timeout, and then the Bucks got a first down, and then they went down the field and scored the Antonio Brown touchdown, which made the probably threw off their whole second half game plan going into the second half. Instead of being down one score, they were down two scores, and that made things very difficult for them i think there was a lot of shooting themselves in the foot but that offsides on the field goal definitely threw it was just a bad i I think it's a bad call i agree i think that there were a number at least three questionable call even the one against with mike evans the pass interference that led to a touchdown that one. Not the first one. The first one where the guy tripped him, he tripped him. But the second one where Brady threw it into the stands and then they called right. the like I thought That one. That's the one I'm referring to. Not, not the one where he tripped him because, well, at first look, I'll say that it didn't look like he tripped him at first. I had to see the replay like three times to see that he tripped him because I thought he tripped over his own feet. And, I mean, good call by the refs, and they got that one right. But the one that Brady threw in the stands – where Tyron Matthew was covering him, that one is another one that could have helped. Like he definitely interfered with in there, but the, I thought the rule was it has to be a catchable ball. You can't just throw a ball into the stand and just because you see Tyron Matthew tackling the guy or playing, not even tackling, just playing a little tougher defense. I don't understand why how you can make that call. Into, like you Because you know when you make that call, that's guaranteed seven points. You can't act like the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs did stop them in a goal line stand earlier that game, you had to know that the avalanche was coming and you were about to make the Super Bowl pretty much unwatchable for the second half. 
I agree. So speaking of these kind of calls, um, this is a veering off a little bit. Do you think that the refs kind of geared the game or pushed the game to allow Tom Brady it to be in Tom Brady's favor? Uh, you know, you're asking somebody who's hated Tom Brady his whole life. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I've always felt like, you know, the NFL has an agenda to make sure the game is a good game. And I don't think they determine who they, they, they don't, it's not scripted. They, they want Tom Brady to win this game or anything like that. They, they've had him be their hero and they've had him be their villain in the NFL, but they, I have always felt like the game is they've always call, made calls go in his favor. They're, he's had calls go in his favor a lot more than calls go against him. And I've always felt like they do that because it's good for ratings. It's good to make people watch till the very last play. And they, it's good to keep conversation going in the offseason. You talk about, you know, controversy. So if you had to say yes or no, I'd say yes. I do think the NFL does it to give Tom Brady a boost. Okay, so just want to get your your thoughts on it. I this game parts in in particular, I think that they do they did. I'm not one that believes that they do that in like for his career, but no, there, there's been times he's been he's been screwed on a play, and but then you know he's the first one to whine about it, <laughs> so. So I'm here. He has seven Super Bowl rings now. He's the greatest of all time. He already was before the Super Bowl win, but now he did it without the Patriots. And and be, by beating Mahomes, he probably killed off the only guy that had a chance of catching him in that stat going forward. It's good to be Tom Brady right now, I guess. All right. So now we're going to veer over to the hardwood, get off the gridiron to the hardwood. And I want to start by talking about the heat. One, I know that's your team, and they've been looking better since Jimmy Butler's come back. But like, what's going on with them? I, I feel like they've been pretty bad. They have obviously injuries have plagued them this season, and they haven't been a whole team. But I didn't expect guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero to kind of take this much of a step back. So explain to me why they. I'll explain. I'll explain to you. All right. The first thing that you could say that makes sense to that. The regression is, is, it's a weird start. They were just finished playing the NBA Finals in mid-October. And, you know, the NBA wanted the season to start relatively being the same schedule that it has been historically. And uh, so the Heat had a record short offseason. And uh, they didn't get their time to recuperate. And I think they got exposed a little bit for how bad perimeter defenders the the team is they do play a lot of two three zone which is because the duncan and tyler hero cannot body people on the perimeter that's that's that is their they are offensive weapons they are not they'll you'll never see them make a defensive highlight even though at times they can get a stop or two however to, to explain the rest i sometimes they just look like they're just fatigued like they just they don't want to they, they just want to be out of the arena they want to be on another they want to be back in Miami sometimes no and but the worst part is I've seen them play great just for them to collapse and lose 
lose their composure at the end of games. And a lot of that can be blamed on Spo. A lot of it can be blamed on Jimmy's absence throughout most of the season. But at the end of the day, the reason they made the finals was they they made winning plays in those situate in crunch time situations mm-hmm. more times than not. And they were then so far to start this year, they've been fumbling the bag a lot. And maybe right now they're currently on a three game winning streak and they're looking and they're finally closing games. But if you were to call me after if we were to do this podcast after the Warriors game, oh boy, would you have <laughs> This would have been a two-hour podcast about how how I'm done with this team. But now they're giving me false hope. So here's my thing with the Heat. Eric Spolster gets a lot of praise for adjustments, right? And He does. I do know that Goran hasn't been healthy all season, and he's huge. Like, Jimmy Butler's the biggest piece for the team. Goran Dragic is the second biggest piece for this team, in my opinion. Or Bam. You probably say that. Give, give or take, depending on who they're playing against. Right. My The one thing that I, I feel like he hasn't been doing, and it may have been injuries, maybe I wasn't watching enough of them, is Tyler Hero gets all the praise. He had such a great season last year, yada, yada, yada. Kendrick Nunn had a great season last year, too. And I'm just now starting to hear Kendrick's name, Nunn's name again in rotation with the Heat. But I feel like he could have probably assisted them earlier on. And again, maybe I wasn't watching games or maybe he just wasn't playing well. But why do you think that Kendrick Nunn's not wasn't getting the playing time that he deserved? I, I'm glad you asked me that question because I'm, I'm really happy you asked me that question. I don't know if you remember much of the bubble, but he was just not in form at all. Not out of shape, but he just had no confidence on any of his shots going into in, in the bubble. And that was the reason why Goron took his starting spot in the playoffs. Spo needed to go with somebody that was confident and in the flow of things. And it looked like Kendrick Nunn, for the most part, he got phased out of the offense after the restart. Like he he was deservingly the best rookie one, like a rookie of the year candidate. I mean, obviously belonged to Ja or Zion, but he was the third best rookie last year. Mm-hmm. And then and then four months of not playing professionally. I don't know. He kept in shape. He's in good shape, but he just did not look like he'd been playing you know, competitive basketball at all throughout the whole lockdown. And then when he went into the bubble, he, he got coronavirus a week before the restart. And uh, he just looked like he lost his shooting, mu- his muscle memory or something. And that is why up until, until Goron got hurt in the NBA finals, you did not see Kendrick Nunn at all in the NBA finals. I mean, in the NBA bubble. And, but now, I couldn't be any more prouder of the guy on this come. I was I was having huge doubts on. I thought he had Hassan Whiteside. He was made of the same material Hassan Whiteside is. Where if he has a bad game, he he, he doesn't. If he starts has a bad start to a game, it stays a bad game. There's never there was never a, a game where Hassan Whiteside started like one for six, and then he found other ways to contribute to the team. He would mentally check out, and I was afraid that that was going to be Kendrick Nunn's story as well. But he. Outside of Jimmy Butler, he's the most confident guy on the court right now, and I'm ha- I couldn't be any happier for him. And hopefully, uh, if we keep him long term, he he knows how to build on this. Well, here's my thing, and I do agree. The bubble, 
he wasn't himself. And I mean, you also have, to, I think that you have to factor in the fact that there wasn't really many opportunities to play. And he's not on the same salary as Tyler Harrow, who is making more money. So you have a little more access to things. Kendrick Nunn, he had to deal with the circumstances that were provided to him. And I don't think that he was able to really basketball-wise, like touch a basketball and, and shoot and get those reps in like some other guys were able to do. But this season, when you have a lot of injuries, at, at a certain point, you got to, you have like less bodies. So you have to use what you have there. And I think that he should have been given an opportunity. It's a new season. Like players are allowed to slump all the time. Danny Green was playing really bad in the bubble last year. And this season he's playing a lot better. So I felt like they should have given him that opportunity to go ahead get in the game get your reps in, especially when you have injuries to um, Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley, and then you had injury to um, Jimmy Butler. Like, you're running low on bodies, going Drogic got hurt. You, you're pulling guys from the G League. Give him his rep. Give him reps. At this point, I know. he's shown yeah, you that I, he can do it. I completely agree with you. It took a little bit of time for that. I I. I just think his bad bubble performance left such a huge bad taste in Spoh's mouth that he was reluctant to throw him back in there. But there's two reasons why you needed you needed to see if he can come back and be the player that he was. That's reason number one, and I'm glad to see that's true. Number two is he's on he's on an expiring contract. You got to decide when the deadline comes up if you're going to move and put use him as a trade piece. And the only way to do that is to increase his value because right now. When he's just sitting on the bench, he doesn't have any. Nobody's gonna buy, believe that he's as good as he was a year ago. I, uh, what's it called? I'm happy that you 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 were spot on and correct. When all these people were out with Avery Bradley, Jimmy Goron, all these great guard rotational people, why am I hearing so much about Max Struess? All right, I mean, I love that he has a he wears Shane Battier's number. That's my boy. Uh, and, and hopefully. Becomes as good as a shooter, but I I need to see the first team all rookie guy play. You know, get those minutes. Need to get at least twenty five minutes a game, and I think Spo finally fi- finally made the adjustment. Took took a little bit of time into the season, and they waited. They they dragged their feet on it, but like I at this moment, as of six o'clock on Tuesday, November twenty uh, whatever month it is, February twenty third. I'm pretty confident about Kendrick not going forward. Cool. All right, so sticking with the basketball, we just talked about a team that wasn't doing so hot. Let's talk about the Nets. I am very surprised to see how well they've played on this West Coast trip that they just came off of and the teams that they were able to beat in the Lakers and the Clippers. Specifically, those were the like biggest teams that they played. What do you think? Do you think that they're scary? Let's start there. I am not scared. Like, look, I'm a big, big crybaby when it comes to horror movies, and I'm always, I know, I will, I would rather watch anything because usually, whenever I go on a date with a girl to see a horror movie, I'm the one going into her arms, not the other way. <laughs> so, you think I'd be scared of the Brooklyn Nets? 
I am not scared of the Brooklyn Nets. I think they're a great they, – they look like Houston, the D'Antoni-Houston team, just, you know, now on the East – or the East Coast version of the D'Antoni Rockets. They are scary on offense, and they are a juggernaut whenever their stars get hot. I just don't see anything – what's it called? Who's going to stop – what's it called? Anthony Davis in the post when – like, yeah – you got an important win against LeBron, but there was no Anthony Davis. And I'm very happy Anthony Davis's injury is finally showing how important he is because people are trying to say he's not a top 10 player anymore. I'm like, did you not watch the finals? He was looking like Will Chamberlain out there. I'm happy for them. They had a great West Coast trip. And my boy, Alan, if he's ever listening to this podcast, huge Brooklyn Nets fan, keeps texting me every night after they win. Yeah, I see you, Alan. All right. They're looking good, but they're not scary. All right. I'm on the other side of it, and right now, I'll say that they looked very scary, and they looked like the team to beat in the East. The only thing that I do have some reservations about is they played really well over this span of time without KD, and not to say that they're better without him, because I'm not even trying to imply that. But I want to see this team at full strength with KD in the lineup because when you have Kyrie and James Harden who are extremely potent offensively, they can share the load in a game. But when you have three guys and one of them has to take the back seat and it looks like it's going to be Harden, is that the best decision and will it work? Same thing defensively. Are they going to be able to keep up the defense that they've been displaying as of late? And I don't know if I believe that, but they do look very, very, very scary. They Offensively, obviously, they're probably the most potent offensive team in the league, but I think that what they just showed and being able to beat the Clippers and the Lakers on the road I think that's something to show, even though AD didn't play, but I think that's something to show. It is something to show, but I'm glad you mentioned that the KD has been out. I mean, KD, you would think you add KD to a team where, you know, they're, they're the second best team in the East behind Philly. You'd think, you know, injecting KD right into it would make them the best team. I think they just been while they've, how many games have they even had their full strength teams? Like it's been less than 10. Like, I know they traded for James Harden and just start the season, but I they've been just running the Batman and Robin show with whatever two stars show up, which, I mean, it works. I honestly believe it works better than having one of those three top 15 players be a third banana kind of player. I don't see a Chris Bosh slash Kevin Love willing to take a sacrificial hit on their stats to make it work. But right now it's been working since they really – it's only just been – it's either the Kyrie and – Kate. it's the Kyrie and Harden show, it's the Kyrie-KD show, or the Harden and KD show. And those are scary. I'll give you that. Though That is – you you run pick and roll, those two just playing off each other, I, I'm terrified. But when you get all three together, I don't think their offense is as strong as it could be, where your point is to just use – uh, one of those three guys is a decoy in the corner. Maybe they'll make it work. I have a lot of tr- I do have a lot of trust in Steve Nash, so I, I I vouched for him when he got the job. 
maybe many said undeservingly so i i'd like to see what happens but somebody has to be the somebody has to be you know the 18 point per game score not and second go down from mid 20s to low high teens do you I, do you agree i definitely agree i think that ironically it's gonna have to be Kyrie if they want to have the success because it has to be Kyrie because he's the worst out of the three and that's no disrespect to Kyrie you think he's <laughs> I wouldn't say he's the worst I think he's the most inefficient and that hurts him a lot Harden and KD are better than Kyrie please but I, I would love to like we'll have that I, com- we can have a whole like half of a show conversation about that another day but I'll just say this his inconsistency in terms of efficiency hurts a lot because he he shoots a lot he's a high volume scorer and for that team to work they need to be efficient because they have to utilize their their possessions to give everybody opportunities to touch the ball and that doesn't even include though with those three that doesn't even include your role players like joe harris who need the ball and need to shoot some threes in game one. He's getting paid a lot of money. He's getting paid a lot of money to shoot only threes. I mean, he's good at it. I won't take that away from him, but he's getting I mean, 16 mil a year. Specialist, man. Being a specialist will get you paid. But, I mean, even what, like like you saying with him, he's getting paid a lot of money, so he's going to need the ball too. But they're going to need him in, in big games to shoot the ball, and he spreads the floor for everybody else. So you kind of have to give guys like him and some other guys on the team and sham it and the list goes on in terms of the players that they need to shoot the ball and be in a rhythm in games because sometimes those guys will end up getting last second shots because they'll be wide open yeah that's how the flow of the game goes i mean alex caruso has had back-to-back game-winning shot opportunities they didn't go in but they got to keep feeding them for when they get when they get open in those situations i here's another question do you think and do do the Nets have an alpha dog on that team? Like, like KD, Harden, and Kyrie, all Hall of Fame level talents. But when they won championships, it's because they well minus Harden, uh, they were on a team where that team had a team leader. Obviously, uh, Kyrie with LeBron as the leader of that team, and KD was Steph and Draymond as the vocal and fit team leaders on that team. I I look at that team and. There's no. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, insult them by calling them betas. All right, they're but they're not alphas. So if, like Russell Westbrook was the alpha last year, why and Chris Paul in Houston with James Harden, they were the emotional, physical leaders of the team. And when games got tough, they people leaned on them. That is what makes me not afraid of them. That is what. I, I, they they are scary if you're just playing them one day in the regular season in the middle in the middle of the week on February. Yeah, they can go up and drop 130 on you, no problem. Well, when the going gets tough in May and June, that's why I'm not scared. I don't see anybody willing to be be the fall guy or be like the I'm going to take over. Put your put your faith in me. They're all going to be looking at each other, being like, "Who's got this?" You know what I think? Then, based off of that, what you asked me. I think the person that has the strongest personality is not the guy that they want to have the strongest personality. And I think that's Kyrie. Um, Kyrie definitely has a personality. <laughs> I think he has the, I think he's the most alpha of the group in terms of 
what you're referring to in, in a basketball sense. And he's his own person, all of that. But I don't know right now. I'm not going to say he can't or he won't. But as of right now, I do not know if that will help them win a championship. Because the one with the most talent is some what most people would consider to be passive as a leader. The, the other person in Harden, he's, he's probably vocal, but he doesn't have the, the background to warrant some of that. So then you kind of look at him and he, he doesn't get the respect. I would, I would rank Harden last on the, like uh, the other two, the other Katie and Kyrie are the ones that have, Winning championship winning made important plays down the down the stretch of winning a championship move. Granted, I do think when they hit their when they had their winning championship moments, they were playing with house money. I think. Uh, I would say KD did. I don't think Kyrie was playing with house money, but for Harden, only reason why I would put Harden like kind of second in the group, and not in terms of like making plays, because if that's the case, he'd be last. But in terms of like that alpha dog, I'm going to take over that type mentality or being the leader. I think he has a little bit more of that than KD does. And I think Kyrie has the most of it or he's willing to do that. But the his style of play doesn't suit that level of assertiveness. And then the one person who has the most assertiveness in DeAndre Jordan, I don't think that he, you're not putting the game in his, and you're not putting the ball in his hands with the game on the line. No, no, as much I, as, I wouldn't say that, but like, I, I'm, I'm doing leadership outside of just like game winning shot. Because if that's the case, I say that Katie's gonna have the ball in his hands almost every game winning shot. Harden's gonna facilitate the play, but in terms of just being a leader, like somewhat how like Draymond is, I see DeAndre Jordan being that with this team and. He hasn't. I, I'd like to see those moments too. Is he? I know he starts the game, but and he's probably the only remaining big after trading away Jared Allen. I don't know. He he needs to be important. He needs to be more than the Udonis Haslam bench role co- mentor, in my opinion. Especially considering he's probably one of the higher paid players on the team. That's true. I mean, we'll see how things go because. It is a long season and you never know um, how things will play out. Speaking of those three all-stars, because they all are going to be all-stars. They are all I wanted to get your opinion on the all-star game. Do you think that they should be doing it? And then most importantly, do you agree with the all-star starters and who do you think will be a reserve and deserving of being one do I think they should be having this all-star game? No. There, there's a pandemic going on, and you we've seen many teams get a bad COVID stri- like outbreak on the team, and it shuts down. Games get postponed. Teams have to play without their star players for over 10 games in a row. You're just gambling, and you're just crossing your fingers and praying to whoever you want to pray to that one of the players out there doesn't catch COVID while traveling to the game and gives it to all your all-stars. And just to play a meaningless exhibition game. 
Plus, the players really don't want to play it. It's a short, it's a shortened start to the season. Things are people. People are trying to get their mojos back to the into you know playing basketball again. I just think they should just be a break. And if they really were in, maybe just have all star patches on their jerseys for for all the players. That way, they can have some kind of acknowledgement that they were an all star this year. I know their money is tied to being their their contracts are tied to all star incentives. But uh, there's nothing tied to just, you know, playing the game and winning all-star game MVPs. Only the losers on the internet care about all-star game MVPs. Fair. So I'm in agreement with you. It shouldn't be happening, uh, especially with all the restrictions and things going on in the league on a day-to-day basis. I don't think that the all-star game is worth it. Um, I know it's a money grab. I understand that. But for everybody involved. And I and I almost mean that including the league itself. It's not worth it because God forbid something happens to a player during All-Star break. And I'm not even speaking injury. I'm just saying somebody gets COVID or they have to do contact tracing. 16 of the most, no, that would be what, 20 of the most important players in the league would then have all their teams shut down potentially. And and you don't want to continue playing games. If if it was like AD or Devin Booker or Dame or whatever, like for Dame, if he, if that was to happen to him, God forbid, and I don't wish that upon him in in any way, shape or form, the Blazers have no stars on the court, nobody worth watching. You, you lose viewership like that. They, their season may go down the drain off of, that alone and if, if you Steph stop gets them, it well I was gonna say if you if you stop them their season right now that that might hurt the league you you lose out on revenue a lot of things can go wrong I know the all-star the NBA all-star game is the best all-star game out of all the major sports maybe 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 baseball has a closer tie you know I don't really care about baseball I love the home run derby though but all-star weekend it is the best out of the profession and it, it kills me to say it shouldn't happen but i think in order to preserve you know the the nba season which is the most important product in terms of you know the actual game i think i, I don't see why we need to have this and you are absolutely right if a uh, an all-star on a team that doesn't have any other role that relies heavily on their star player to carry them you said Damien, I'll say Steph. If, if Steph gets COVID and has to miss 10 games, the Warriors season's done. They're not making the playoffs. And uh, they're uh, they're going to have to either hopefully make the play-in bubble or be or pray that Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green and James Wiseman can carry them to like a 500 record in the game Steph misses. Well, with that being said, that's all we got for you guys today. Um, Alex, let them know where they can find find you, and if you have any final words, you can find me on Twitter at Tater Joe. I've been noticing I'm getting more followers, so if that's been you guys, thank you and appreciating it. Hopefully, you don't hate the my mean tweets at four in the morning. Uh, if I want to get anything out there, I wanted to say uh, my best wishes to Tyler uh, Tiger Woods. You know, the reports are on he, he's not in life threatening condition, but, you know, it, his playing career might be in jeopardy. I just hope him and his family the best. 
Um, I'm gonna close it out with my my go-to. Don't allow your past to be your present and your present to become your future. Um, you guys can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Buckley on Air. That's B-U-C-K-L-E-Y on Air. And we out. Peace.